0: Just before we come to um, the word of God, just want to um, just thank people for praying for um, Kim and myself. Um, weeks are still very difficult and hard um, at times, but we appreciate the prayers. And that's why I feel prayer is so important. Some of the guys on Thursday have been really lifting us up in prayer. And um, during the loss of my son, Benjamin, many people met together and prayed and um, that's the key of getting through the difficulty. And Kim and I are constantly praying for strength for ourselves. So praise God for his church. And our prayer um, is so important. And we're going to do it right now. We're just going to bow before God and pray, asking for his help. Father in heaven, we thank you again that we've come to this place, Lord, where we can open your word today. And we pray that you might speak. And we thank you, Father, that the Lord Jesus Christ taught us a pattern of prayer. And he taught us this prayer, saying, when you pray, say this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That prayer, that pattern that we have just said, is the disciples' prayer. And I've entitled my message, the disciples' prayer, Forgiveness. Because my first point that I'm going to make today is forgiveness for myself. Here we see an amazing thing about this prayer. The amazing thing about this prayer is that Jesus invites sinners to ask God for forgiveness. That's the amazing thing about this prayer. Forgive us our sins. Jesus is saying to the disciples, I'm inviting you to come into God's presence and to ask that he will forgive you. Now, let me just bring you a little bit into the character of God this morning. You see, popular opinion says that God is an angry God and they look at the Old Testament and they read Sodom and Gomorrah and, 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 and fire and brimstone and they say God is an angry God or they're going to the New Testament and, and they see and Jesus speaking about um, about departing from me and, and going to, the, to hell where the worm doesn't die and the fire is not quenched and they look at these verses And I think that God is an angry God. I can remember um, listening to a sermon. And I was dozing off to sleep, like you do on a Sunday morning. You know, and you begin to get eyelids get heavy and your head begins to drop. And then maybe a little dribble comes out of your mouth, maybe, if you're that age. Who knows? And, um, you know, and, and, and I was beginning to doze. Uh, listening to this to this preacher, and some of you might know this preacher, I mean, um, he just died last year, you know, Ian Paisley. And, and Ian Paisley was preaching at that time. And as I was dozing off, suddenly he said, if you're a sinner, he said, you're going to hell. God will strike you dead and you'll find yourself waking up in hell. When he said, I woke up from my sleep. I said, did he say hell? And I began feeling uncomfortable. And he carried on preaching and he said, God is an angry God, and he will send the sinner to hell if he doesn't repent. And I'm telling you today, repent, 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 he said. I was wide awake at that time. And I listened to the end of the sermon. I thought to myself, he's right. He's right. As he preached that word, he was absolutely right. God requires men and women to repent. Because his judgment is, it will send them into hell. That's right. But that is God's judgment. That is not the character of God, that is the judgment of God. And it's quite interesting that we need both at times. Let's be honest. We need to hear the judgment of God. But we also need to hear the character of God. And you'll be pleased to know this morning that I'm speaking about the character of God this morning. In this part of my message. Because here we see something about God's character. The next verse I'm going to put up, let me give you a bit of background. Moses wants to know the character of God. And so when he was praying, he said, God, show me your character. Show me your glory. And God said, okay, I will show you my character. I will show you, show you my glory. And so God passes by and speaks about his character. Let's look what God says about his character. You find it in Exodus chapter 34. And he passed in front of Moses. That's God. God passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. I want you to focus on the last bit here. Forgiving wickedness, Rebellion and sin. First, as God speaks about his character, he says that I am slow to become angry. Even now, you might be in your sin. You might be in your wickedness. You might be doing something that God hates. But the Bible says that he is slow to become angry. In fact, he is compassionate. And he is gracious and he is slow, even though, even now, you might be involved in some form of wickedness. God is slow to become angry. I used to work in Wapping. Um, Rupert Murdoch had a newspaper plant, News International, about, I don't know, 30 years ago. And um, I was working with one of the security guards and a team of other guys in this huge plant for Rupert Murdoch. And every time I went into work, there was one man, a manager, he was always angry. You know, these little security managers, you know, they get a title, a few stripes, and they become angry all the time. And this guy, sorry Carl, I hope you're not like that. Um, and this guy was always angry. He was angry when I walked in at 7 o'clock, and he was angry at 7 o'clock In the morning, 12-hour shift, he was always angry. The only time he wasn't angry was when he was sleeping. was about two hours during the shift. That's the only time he wasn't angry. But God is not like that. God is not like that. He is slow to become angry. Very slow. And the Bible says he forgives wickedness. He forgives rebellion. And he forgives... Sin. Absolutely amazing. I wonder what your opinion, we might differ to opinion here, I wonder what you, who you think is the most wicked, evil person in the Bible. I wonder who would you think in your mind, who is the most wicked, evilest person in the Bible? Any, any names that you might want to throw at me? I knew someone say Jezebel. Jezebel is right out there. Top, yeah? Satan, Satan he's right out there as well. Top tree. Ahab. Yeah, some names following up. Can you believe, you know, people won't call their children these names. You know, you never call your daughter Jezebel. You know. Or um, you never call, you know, your son Judas. In fact, there was a guy, a pastor was preaching. He said he met a guy in the forest. As he was walking into the forest, He's met this guy, and this guy was with his son. And he goes, oh, that's a nice son. He goes, what's your son's name? And he says, oh, I called him Lucifer. The pastor went away for he probably never read the Bible in his life. You know, his son was called Lucifer. But I want to show you another guy that was wicked in the Bible. Here he is. His name is Manasseh. Why was he wicked? Well, there's a lot of description about him. Let me just give you one verse about Manasseh to show how wicked this man was. Look at him. He sacrificed his children in the fire in the valley of Ben-Hinnon. He practiced divination and witchcraft, sought omens and consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger. Here was this man Manasseh, he was a king of Jerusalem. Look how wicked he was. He sacrificed his children in the fire. And not only that, he practiced all these other wicked, evil things, witchcraft and, and, and mediums and spiritists. You know, sadly, people still do that today. They say, oh, I won't sacrifice my children in the fire, but I go to a spiritist and I go to a medium." And I will go and speak, and consult an omen, and I'll and I do these things. That's okay. But I want to tell you, if you're involved in that, that is exactly what this man was involved with. Now, if you was God, what would you do to a man like that? Ah! Okay. <laughs> 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 oh, what I say? First of, all, first of all, you ruined my whole message, right there, <laughs> First of all, this is what God does. God spoke to him. The Lord spoke to Manasseh. Before God done anything else, he spoke to Manasseh and his people, but the Bible says they paid no attention. And so God Brought a little trouble into this man's life. God brought a little bit of hardship into this man's life. And then, once a the little trouble came into this man's life, look what we read. In his distress, he sought the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his ancestors. And when he prayed to him, the Lord was moved. By his entry. The Lord was moved by his entry and listened to his plea. So he brought him back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. Listen very carefully. When you're caught up with sin when you're caught up in wickedness, when you're caught up in doing something evil, when you're involved in something that you know you should not be involved in, you're caught up with wickedness and sin. The first thing God will do is that he will speak to you. He will speak to you. He will send his spirit to bring conviction to you and he will speak to you. And when he speaks to you, if you turn to him at that point and say, Lord, forgive me, Whatever I've done in the past, Lord forgive me. The Bible says that he will forgive you and cleanse you from your sin. But if you don't ask for forgiveness at that point, And you go on further in your sin. God will bring a little trouble into your life. He will bring a little trouble into your small world. And when a little trouble comes, and you begin to be in distress, and you begin to cry out, and you begin to seek God's favor again, and you humble yourself, and you begin to plead with God. Guess what? God will forgive you again. He will cleanse you. He will forgive your, 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 your rebellion. He will forgive your wickedness. He will forgive you again and again. Amen. Hallelujah. God will not. I'm so glad that David is not in the throne of God at the moment. God is not and he will not kill you yet. But if you turn and ask for forgiveness bible says he will forgive you but here's someone say but hold on pastor hold on how about consequences how about consequences for your sin i want to tell you there are consequences for your sin this man manasseh he lost his children he can't get those children back that he burnt in the fire this man got himself involved in wickedness and damaged himself with spiritists and mediums, there's consequences for sin. Be sure of that. You go into sin, there will be consequences. You will come out bruised. You will come out beaten. You'll come out with some bad thoughts in your mind. You'll come out with a broken heart and a broken soul. You will come out damaged because there's consequences when you sin. But I want to tell you something this morning. The word of God is very clear. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more, says the Lord. I want to tell you this morning, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I want to tell you something this morning. I, even I, am he who blocks out your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. That is the God when Jesus says to pray. When Jesus says our Father, he invites you rebels, sinners, wicked men and women. He invites you, Come. And say to the Lord God, forgive us our sins. And God will say, Yes, I will forgive you. No matter how wicked you've been, how far you've gone, I will forgive you. Praise God. That's the first part of my message there. We need forgiveness for myself. Forgive us our sins. Forgiveness for others. It says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And This is the part we don't really like very much. Oh, hold on, Lord. I like the idea that you've forgiven me, but hold on, what's the next part of that? Do you mean tell me that I've got to forgive other people as well? Oh, and, and we have a hard time. We have a hard time with husbands forgiving wives. We have a hard time of wives forgiving husbands. We have a trouble with brothers forgiving sisters and sisters forgiving brothers. We have a hard time with fathers forgiving sons and with sons forgiving fathers. We have a difficult time with daughters forgiving mothers and mothers forgiving daughters. A hard time with all of this. And you think to yourself, why is this so? Jesus said in his prayer that we need to forgive those who sin against us. And reason, one of the reasons why it's so difficult is because we cannot do it in our own strength. You cannot do it in your own strength. If you carry on coming on a Sunday morning, you will find out what strength is provided for you in this very passage. But you cannot do it in your own strength. To forgive the people who you know in your mind, and all of us are probably thinking about names flying up in our minds, but we find it very hard to forgive that person within our own family. Never mind the man who cut us off in the street. Never mind the person who swore at us, and we want to tear him, we want to get at him. Never mind those people, even our own families. We find it very, very difficult to put that into practice. Let me tell you how, by the power of the Spirit, how you can do it. First of all, you'd have prayed this prayer Search me, oh God. Search me. Search me, Lord, and remind me of all the things that you have forgiven me for. Remind me, God, of the wickedness, the rebellion. And the sin that I've done, that no one else might know about it, but you know, God, I pray that you might remind me of that at this moment. And then you begin to thank God for forgiving you. When you've done that, you need to turn to the person that you find it very difficult to forgive. And look them in the face. Or we bring them to the mind. What did they do for me? What did they do to me to make me so angry with them? What did they do to me to make me so vexed? That I can't forgive them? What did they do? Is it worse than what I have done to God? That makes him righteous in punishing me? Is it worse? The answer surely be, won't be. In this way... If you begin to forgive, you will not give the devil a foothold in your life. I'll say it again. If you begin to put what Jesus said into practice, Lord, forgive us our sins. Thank you, for you have done that for me. As I forgive those who sin against me. If you do that, you will not give the devil a foothold in your life. Instead, he will show Christ. Someone might turn around and say to another person, I've been angry with you for 15 years. I can't remember what I was angry with you about, but I know that I was angry with you for 15 years, 10 years, and I refused to talk to you. You know, I've been in this church, and I knew the history of this church, but there was a time way back in history where a woman would not speak to the pastor of this church. Before my time, many people won't speak to me anyway, but this wasn't me at this time. But, you know, this woman won't speak to... In fact, when the man finished preaching, she would make sure she'd go out the door. Because he was standing at the front door here, right here, greeting the folk, going... She would make sure she would sneak out the back door. Couldn't stand him. But she was in the church. That is not what it's meant to be. The Bible says, forgive. Jesus takes it very seriously. Forgiveness. It's very serious for him to forgive you. But he takes it very seriously. Look what he says in in Matthew. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins your father will not forgive your sins that's very serious that's why when the Lord teaches on prayer he says pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon you the reason why we've got so so much unforgiveness in the church is because people don't know the reality of being filled with the spirit of God so filled that whatever to you, you're filled with God and are filled with his heart, his mind his, his will that you're able to offer forgiveness it's not a human action it's not a action that you can well up and, and stir up yourself physically, it has to come from heaven has to can't come from anywhere else and Jesus paid it all on the cross so you can have the ability to forgive others You know, I'm reminded that Jesus took brutal punishment. His facial hair was pulled from his face. He had a staff crashed over his head again and again. And as they hit him, as they slapped him, they said, prophesy who slapped you. They spat at his face, and they opened his back with a whip, lash after lash after lash. They crowned him with thorns, placing it upon his head. Took him to a place called a skull, outside Jerusalem, where all the rubbish is put, where all the refuge is kept. That's where they took him and they laid him out on that cross and they drove nails into his hands and into his feet. And they hoisted him up high on that cross. And men and women walked past that cross laughing and jeering and mocking him. And so the writer of the song writes, behold The man upon the cross, my sin upon his shoulders, ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. I was there. As he was nailed to the cross, the men and women of his day was there. The men and women of our day, you and me, we were there with our mocking voices. The men and women in a future day, they were there with their mocking voices at Jesus on that cross. But when he was on that cross, my dear friends, he cried out, Father, me. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They're sitting in Golding's church this morning. But when they were, when I was being nailed to that cross, their voice was numbered amongst the women and the men's voices. Their voices were numbered among the Pharisees. Their voices were numbered among the criminals on the cross who hurled abuse at me. Their voices were numbered With every single person who spat at my face. Every single person who whacked me on the head with a stick. Every single person who placed that crown of thorns upon my head. Their voices were among the scoffers. And I'm saying, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive them. For they do not know what they're doing. Do you know what, dear friends? I'm so glad that the prayers of Jesus are effective. I'm so glad that when Jesus prays, God hears him, and God heard his prayer. And I'm a living testimony. If I stand here before you today, I'm a living testimony that God has heard my prayer to receive that forgiveness. That even though my voice was numbered among the scoffers, even though I was there, maybe not in person, but my sin nailed him to that cross. I was there. I want to tell you, the prayer of Jesus, forgive me, forgave me and cleanse me from my sin. How about you this morning? As you come to that time of prayer and you, you seek God and you say the Lord's Prayer as if it means nothing. The bread you're thinking about your own bellies. You're not thinking about Christ, who is the bread of life. Feed upon him every single day. Pray a prayer so quickly. Yeah, but when you come to this part of the prayer, Father, forgive us our sins. I want to remind you today that God invites you into his presence and says, I will forgive you. I will cleanse you. I will wash you. But only humble yourself. Confess your sin. And I will receive you. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a glorious gospel. Why are the chairs empty? Why are people not coming in to hear this glorious, wonderful, life-changing message? I want to tell you. When the church starts praying and the church starts being filled with the spirit of the living God, then things will change. Why? Because it's no longer be done in your strength. It won't be done in my strength. It will be done in the strength of the almighty God. And that's what we're looking for today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, what can I say this wonderful prayer that you taught the disciples is filled with truth it's filled with wonder and amazement and Father we want to thank you first of all that you've promised that if we call out upon you if we seek your face when we have sinned you will forgive us. When we have rebelled, you will pardon. When we are involved in wickedness, you will cleanse us from all sin. Thank you that as far as the east is from the west. Thank you that you've removed our sin from us. Thank you, oh God, I pray, that today there will be men and women who will enter into the reality of knowing their sins forgiven. Of knowing, O oh God, that they stand, not in their own righteousness, but they stand in the righteousness of Christ. Lord, I pray, God Almighty, bring men and women into your kingdom. Cause us to have a revelation of the cross of Jesus. And help us, Lord. Not just to be the beneficiaries of this wonderful forgiveness but help us to give it out to others as well. Help us, Lord, to give it out. To give it out. If there's people here, Lord God Almighty, with someone in their hearts that they haven't forgiven, help them to go, Lord God Almighty. To make a phone call, to write a letter. Not to say, I forgive you. No, no, no. But to say, I'm sorry for being offended. I'm sorry for not speaking up and showing you the love of Christ. I'm sorry for not reconciling with you because I have been reconciled with God. Help us, Lord God, to do this, not in our own strength. but in the strength that you provide. And in that end, I pray that you will pour out your Holy Spirit in power. Oh God, pour him out that each person here will be filled with your spirit. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.